I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Podditors. I hope you're well. In this week's episode, I speak to creator, producer, author, and the founder of Galdem, Live Little. Liv founded Galdem, a publication committed to telling the stories of people of colour from marginalised genders when she was still at uni. And since then, she's gone on to write her debut novel, Rosewater, and has stepped away from Galdem to pursue a career in writing and TV. We discuss how losing a parent, the pressure of founding a business at a young age, and learning to protect your mental health can really impact the timeline of your life. I really hope you enjoy, and you can pre-order Rosewater now, and I really recommend doing so, because I absolutely loved it. Happy listening. Bye. So I've just read your debut novel, Rosewater, and I absolutely loved it. And I'm really excited and it's out very soon. But that isn't where you started when it came to work. And you've kind of been through a lot of change over the last few years. We're both, and 20, we're both 28, same age. Can you talk me through how your timeline has shifted over the last couple of years and how you got to the point now? Because you just wow. said to me mm. a minute ago, you feel really happy and settled and yeah. content. Um, oh my God, like the journey. I'm like, I guess in terms of my adult life, <laughs> um, I, I, I guess going back to around the time at uni was the start of my creative career which is kind of built up to where I am now I set up Galdam at uni in my final year like out of frustration and wanting to connect with people and simultaneously I was really interested in getting into TV so when I graduated I think Galdam was maybe a year old at that point I also went on and did like a one of those trainee traineeships at channel four and so I was working in like factual telly and doing the two kind of alongside it and I think it got to a point where it was impossible to juggle like the intensity of factual television with another full-time job, which was Galdem at the time. And I think it was about making that decision to pursue Galdem fully and not, um, and and I, I've come back to TV now, which is really amazing. But I think at the time it was impossible to, to do both. For those who aren't familiar, can you tell us about yeah. what Galdem is, yeah, how yeah. you started yeah, it? Yeah, because yeah. it's kind of like an empire in its own right. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So Galdem is a media publication committed to like championing the voices of people of colour from marginalised genders. And I started it when I was 21, didn't know anything <laughs> and learned a lot very quickly. And then, yeah, we worked on like so many amazing projects, Guardian Takeovers, VNA Takeovers, um, campaigns, I don't know, just publishing loads of content, working on like mini docu-series. And I think I would always try and bring a bit of the like, my love for video format kind of into that space as well. Um, and launching like a short film, like spotlight platform. Um, but really, yeah, it was about bringing people together. And I, and I did that for seven years. Uh, alongside other things <laughs> and so many of the journalists and the, the writers that you had on Galdam that was like how I discovered some of my most mm. favorite writers mm -hmm. and you kind of really did find these people that have gone on to like have incredible they're careers all mega. they're all everyone yeah, yeah, that starts yeah. on Galdam who I initially found through Galdam that didn't really have a profile at the time 
are now like superstars in their own mm, right. Mm, How mm. does that feel? Because that's quite a cool <laughs> yeah, legacy it is cool. to have. I think we were all like really young and really like determined and really wanted to like take up space and like make amazing things and just... I don't know there was like very much like a DIY kind of attitude right where you make these amazing amazing projects without having much money or budget or no money and no budget you know but it was just there was a real drive from everyone I think to to yeah to contribute to I guess the creative landscape specifically I guess the media landscape in the UK and it's been like a beautiful thing to witness everyone kind of like grow together you know so many of my close friends I've kind of started on that journey with and we look back at ourselves and we kind of laugh at where we were fondly um but yeah it's beautiful to see to see that transition do you think creating something like that sometimes you have to be 21 with no resources to find the energy fire yeah Yeah. definitely because you lose not that you lose it a bit but I think the I think life becomes really complicated and responsibilities grow and you have to think about more people than yourself and I think when at 21 you kind of don't some people do but you don't necessarily generally speaking have to do that so I think yeah there's a lot more energy I think also when you're like figuring things out for the first time or you're stepping out into the world for the first time it's like very easy to be instantly very angry about everything and like want to change everything and like that youthful kind of like naivety about the world I think is a really useful thing to getting things done and like and off the ground and I guess just having like a lack of fear of failure because also it doesn't really matter if it does fail at least you tried right you know what I mean nothing is forever but at least you gave it a shot so um so yeah it definitely was the the, that 21 year old energy was a real thing because I found that as I got older there's so many things that I did when I was younger and I just went for it and now I really can't seem to find that within me anymore Mm. I'm so much more self-conscious I got really scared about doing things like you said Mm. that fear of failure is so much greater Mm -mm. um and you said to me before that when you first started doing Galdam as much as you loved it and as incredible as it was and the, the, the world that you created from that was amazing you felt like people maybe didn't know who you were I don't think anyone time. knows who I am really as in I think my friends know who I am and I think people that I actually have like n- I know like I, I don't mean beyond having beyond having just worked with like you know who I actually sit down and talk about the things that we just like in life but I think yeah I don't think anyone really knew who I was but also in that I think in that period of my life I was not playing a role but the role was like to 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 make this thing work or to or to 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 drive it forward like from a business sense and all the rest of it but it wasn't it wasn't about my necessarily my creative ambitions on like an I guess on a personal level because it was more of a like it was a collective kind of effort but yeah I think every I think people have like an idea of who maybe you are and like yeah what that means and then that's not necessarily true because you only get one side of someone online or through what someone else says or whatever else so I think this period in my life now where I'm like stepping out and I'm like making my own creative work and I'm just like really feeling a lot more a lot more brave and a lot more confident in in my own voice I think this is when people are really going to start to get to know and to understand me um because there were so many things that I was processing even in that period of running Galdem I lost my stepdad Obviously, I ended up losing my dad last year. I've been through so many mental health crises. I burnt out so much. I was suicidal. I was stressed. But like on the surface, it was very like shiny. And like I knew how to like perform what it was that I felt was needed to 
to make this thing work. It wasn't really about, yeah, I don't know. And and no, no one told me to do that, but I think that's the responsibility that I felt was to have, to have my shit together. And I like really didn't have my shit together. I did at a point, but I, I lost it at a point, I guess. How did you feel when you felt like people were not necessarily on purpose, but were misunderstanding you? Was that something that you, you felt a want to correct or you kind of just let it happen and work? I think I was telling everyone, use your voice, be confident in your voice, like be bold, be brave. And I was really like just starting to find it impossible to speak my own truth. So that was really like jarring. Um, and I think that's why like my mental health suffered so much, you know, and there were moments when I just like, I really wanted a break, but I didn't. And I'd just be fantasy, like thinking all these like very scary kind of things and 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 not feeling myself and feeling like the only way, you know, it, it was just not a good place. But again, I think like it, the way of the, my style of working, the intensity, the like nonstopness of it, the obsession, the like carrying work with me into every hour, like those were conditions that I, that I created for myself. No one told me to do that, but I felt like I had to do that because I wanted this thing to succeed, which is like, when you look back on it, it's like, whoa. But I think again, I was young and it was my first foray into the world of, like properly into the world of work. So you don't balance boundaries, like self-care on like a really deep level, understanding who you are and what you need. I think I didn't have it yet. Had you always been an overachiever though? I feel like you got a first yeah. in your degree and like you're really <laughs> clever. And so I guess that's an identity as well that you carry with you. And then, so especially if you've always been like that, it's yeah. very hard to suddenly be like, actually I'm just gonna do this to, to the best of my ability, but keep something back for me. Yeah. It's probably not no, in nature. No, it wasn't, nature. it wasn't. And I've been like that, like my friends always joke. Cause I, I had a job from the age of 14 and I was always working and like my best friend, was like, yeah, you were just, every time we had like a, a summer holiday, you were like doing an internship or like you were like working or you were doing something. And that was me. And it wasn't like, it's because there were things that I was really interested in, I was really passionate in and I really wanted to like, and I wanted to learn more about and I wanted to get practical experience, understanding like what that looked like and what that meant. So yeah, I think like, I think definitely from my like 1920s, I was like super intense in like everything that I did. I think my teenage years were probably my most carefree where I didn't really care and I was going out and partying and like having loads of fun. But by the time I went to uni, I was not that girl and people were kind of just starting to go yeah. out and I was like, been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> like actually, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready to, to, to kind of go in. So yeah. And I even remember my first, like my first, one of my first internships that I did. Uh, actually it was like, I think it was a paid for like research role, whatever. But, um, I remember Marchie, the woman that hired me, this was at Women's Refugee Women, she was like, you were so in, you came in and you were like, you're gonna hire me basically. <laughs> and it was like very that, you know? And I even remember just emailing a million people at that time in my life and being like, I like your, your film was great. Like, how about having me come and like spend some time with you? I was just really bold and intense, as I said. And yeah, I definitely then carried that through into, into the, you know, that period of like, pushing Galdem and raising investment and like trying to make things happen um and I think that energy was really useful to a point I think it's just you can't live like at that at that on that on the edge forever like there's a there's going to be a moment when your body's like listen hun you need to rest this isn't good how did that burnout manifest for you because I feel like that yeah. was a term that we, we've got more familiar with more recently but it kind of now is bandied about yeah yeah um I felt really depressed and really low all of the time I used to fantasize about just like 
getting sick or getting injured so that I could stop because I couldn't I couldn't understand that I could just stop. I was like, something has to happen for me to be able to stop because I can't, because people will be angry because I'll disappoint everyone because I'll rip, da, 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 da. and it's like this spiral. And then like other, other periods, it was like, I just had no energy left in me and I'd just be like a heap crying on the floor. Just like, and then it got to the point where I was like, the only way that I'm going to stop feeling this low is if I don't exist. And that's when it got really scary. And it was like, mm-mm, like, after the first, second, third burnout, this is not a place that you want to be in. And I've got, you know, great friends and I've got a great partner, but that was a really scary time for me, but it was also a really scary time for her. So I don't, I don't recommend going at that level and waiting until you get to a point when you're like so low to, to, to kind of look after yourself. But yeah, that's, that's where I, and that's not to say I had an awful life and, and I, I, there was no joy in it, but like, you know, I'd be, I'd be lying if I said that it wasn't also really hard. Was it, were you able to immediately kind of pinpoint that it was this just like overarching pressure of overachieving that was causing this? Or would, did it take you a bit of time to be like, crap, it's actually this thing that I'm plugging my energy in that's making me feel this way? Yeah, I think I knew for a long time that work was making me unwell, but I think I didn't know what to do because it was like, you know, this is something that you've started and like you want to see it to get to a certain point before you like hand over the reins and like put a better infrastructure in place and have more money and all of these things that are really hard to do with like an independent media platform. Like it's so tough. And I was on like 20 something, 20K or something like that. My last year as CEO, like it's it's not like a, it's not a job that you do because you like trying to get rich. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it was, it was, just lots of things, just not knowing and like, yeah, putting yourself in a position where you don't know and where you feel like you have to figure a lot of stuff out on your own, which is like actually not the case. And when I started to like express to some of my close friends and like mentors and stuff, they were like, you don't have to do anything forever. Like it's actually okay. You've put in a lot of time and that's actually fine. If like, and we're worried about you. And my girlfriend was really scared and it was kind of like, and there were and there were other things that I also wanted to try with my life, but I needed to like I needed to just slow down first. I went, I applied to do an MA, and like there were other things going on. And I was also in and out of hospital appointments with my dad. We didn't know what was wrong with him, so it was just like a lot of stuff. But yeah, definitely like you know I had my key people to kind of like pull me out of that kind of scary place I think it's so useful to talk about because as you say people see all of your successes all of your accolades from a really young age you're kind of doing incredible things Mm. but often that does come with a price and I feel like a lot of the time especially this kind of like hustle culture Mm. that we're living through people don't necessarily talk about how much you can sacrifice and how dangerous it can be Mm. to kind of chase these levels of success Mm. that more and more people especially want to get to like before 30 or there's all these like Mm. really rudimentary numbers around when we should be achieving things. Mm. And, and very often actually what you're not seeing is like this side you're talking about, which is like, it's really tough. Yeah. And, and everyone goes through it. Everyone that I know that's like set something or has done anything that like everyone goes through it and everyone gets to a point. It's usually after like five years where they're like, I'm so tired and like, I need to prioritize my own well-being. And I love this thing so much and it's so important to me, but I'm more important to mm. me. And it's like getting to the point where you can say I'm more important to me that, you know, it can take it can take time. And those are all loving, caring, kind people, you know, but it just, yeah. It, 
And also like how ridiculous that at whatever in your 20s you think that this is the thing that you're going to do forever or like that you should do forever. I mean, no, like we go through so many different periods and stages in our life and the energy and the time and the resource that you have to be able to at, in your early 20s is very different maybe to at the end of your 20s or when you're losing a parent or when you're going through anything. These things kind of shift and I think I'm getting more comfortable with the fact that I'm not in control of the way that life goes and the way it pans out and I kind of have to be able to just move through it and accept that nothing is the same always and like to trust a little bit that like things will be okay it's not an easy thing for me to do (laughs) as a bit of a control freak but um but it's an important thing to be able to do and those are lessons that I'm like finally kind of carrying carrying with me and it took 29 to to see some of those things and to prioritize the right things and you know life is really beautiful and it's just I want to lean into that as much as as much as possible be grateful for the lessons that you've learned the people that I've met the work that I've the work that I've done and with the team that I did it with and also be like cool great it's like a new era and that's fine so I feel like you were talking about how your dad got sick and your Mm. your work was like really overwhelming you and you Mm. were living in London and then now we've come fast forward you really sadly lost your dad you've Mm. moved out of London Mm, you changed mm. your work and your life is kind of completely I guess just slowed in so many different ways yeah yeah. how much of that like losing your your father which I know is like obviously it's traumatic for everyone but Mm. I know that you really deeply difficult period for Mm. you how much of that does that kind of shift the way that you look at the world and the way that you approach things Oh, it changes it so much. Like, I remember when my stepdad was sick and he said to me, this is like six years ago now, and he said, you know, don't let work be the most important thing in your life because he worked so hard, a million hours. Like, he loved what he did. He was like a top nerd and he was like super good at it, but it was like too much. And I remember he said that and that always kind of sticks with me. It took, ha, five years, (laughs) breakdowns, (laughs) real depressive moments to realize that like, that's not the only thing that's... I guess it was so tied up in like my value and my self-worth. It was like, I, the, you know, the reason why people care about me is because of this thing or the reason why I'm a, is because of this thing. And it's like, no, it's not. It's because you're you and all the rest of it. And then I think with my dad, I just was like, it's a very deep and confronting journey to be on with someone when they know they're going to die, you know, and they're, and they're looking into that and they're reflecting on life. Um, my dad was a very sensitive, kind, loving person. And like, I'm so grateful that I was there able to hold his hand through that like very challenging period and that we had each other. And it's just like, I'm just, I'm watching him die and I'm watching him go through that. And I can't help but feel like the things that are important are love, the my friends, my family, my partner, like living a nice life, like, and and like, not killing yourself like because of because of work or trying to find the right balance but just really like I think it's a reminder that like the amount of time that we have here is is finite and why would I live my life in fear or because of something I've concocted in my head that I must do or whatever actually I think it just was a reminder that my life is mine and it's up to me to choose how I want to how I want to live it. And I think that's been very freeing, a very freeing space to be in, a very hard space in terms of the journey itself. And also, you know, when you go through those things and you're up close and personal and you're watching people go through this transition into the next phase of the life, the end of their life, it's like, 
I don't know, even like, I, uh, like he, he dealt with it in, he was so scared, but he also, he never like lost like the essence of who he was, you know, he was still a kind, compassionate person that would say thank you to every, um, to every nurse and person that would be there in the hospital helping him and really he meant it. And he was just a sweet man. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm a very sensitive person, just like my dad. He was so sensitive, like, and I'm so sensitive. I carry everything with me, which is also why certain jobs I just can't do. <laughs> and I just think, yeah, I, you, you can't not be completely, utterly changed by feeling like the depth of heartbreak and hope and loss and all of the things that surface when you're losing someone so close to you and that you and that you love and and I think I I lead with my heart and and I this next chapter I want to connect with people through my work through my writing through sharing like a piece of my heart with other people whether that's through novel writing or through TV but also it's just about connecting with people in a space that has nothing to do with work you know like the you, you go to things in London and often so often the question is like what do you do and it's like you know, moving out of the city and like rewiring that part of my brain and just it not being about that, it being like, do you want to go for a swim in the sea? Or like, you know, those things have been really special. But yeah, I'm deeply changed by the loss of my dad. I'm still in a lot of pain. I still feel a lot of love. I still, you know, I miss him. It was hard and it was painful and there's still trauma around just seeing that process because it was hard and being in it with him. But but yeah, it's taught me so much about the fact that we have one life and it's ours, you know? So, and there was so much pain, I think, that he'd experienced in his life and things that he wasn't able to work through. And I could see that still surfacing at, you know, when he was kind of coming close to his final days. And I, and I was just like, wow, that's a lot. I really want to make sure I work through and process my things now. Um, and being in therapy and working through stuff was a really important um, part of that. But it's it's hard and it's hard, but it's important. It was an important moment to be there for. And maybe I wouldn't have had the same space to be there for him had I not been making some of the shifts that I was in my life. Because I was really there. It was me and him in it together, you know. He didn't have a partner. It was me and him, all the appointments, all of the stuff, doing things with a parent that you don't necessarily envision that you're going to do. Um, so yeah, I learned all, all that to say, I learned a lot. Yeah. That was honestly like so beautiful. The way you speak is just amazing. And, and yeah, thank you for sharing that because that is just gorgeous. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
I want to kind of talk again more about this kind of, I guess, becoming more in tune with yourself, kind of trying to block out that noise of, like you said, the city and people being like, what are you doing? What are you doing next? Especially this, like, I used to have a massive fear of laziness. Like, I have to be doing stuff <laughs> all the time. And then you're like, oh my God, this is just Same. capitalism is yeah. so imbued in my brain that I can't, I couldn't just like sit down and have a cup of tea. I had to be doing like five things at once yes. to be able to enjoy yes. the other thing. Yes. I'm really fascinated to know how much of literally moving out of London that goes. Is it, is it London or is it it's, society at large? I mean, it's, yeah, it's London. It's how we're wired. It's all of that kind of stuff. And it takes time. And I think it's an adjustment when you're used to being at one pace. Like I was like, can I live by the sea? Like <laughs> this is mad. And I don't know, was this the right decision? It absolutely was the right decision. But I think, um, yeah, the conditions, the conditions that people live in, in London, the space that they have and don't have, like all of these things, it doesn't encourage you to to sit with yourself and like to take time and to make space. Or I guess you just have to work, not that it's not possible. I think you just have to work harder at it. Maybe like when you're out of the city and you look at the sea and you're reminded of how small you are in this like big, big nature and this big, big world, it can, it can ground you. And I don't know if there's like, I don't know if there are enough things to kind of ground me in London, mm. you know? I think you have to really, really search. But then that's when you're really like enlightened, probably when you're able to find absolute peace in a city that's quite chaotic. And I love London. I love South London. That's my place. I wrote a book set in South London. It's like, has my heart and I enjoy coming back to it. But I also enjoy stepping away mm. and like feeling and being in nature and that's always been something that I've loved like throughout my whole life. I used to go camping when I was younger. I used to go to the Peak District and Lake District and all of this sort of stuff. So I think, yeah, me moving me moving out the city was great for that. And like, uh, it helped me, but it was also, it wasn't just the location. I was also in therapy and doing like all of these other things to rewire my brain, the way I viewed myself, the way I viewed the world, the way I viewed my self-worth, you know, the way I viewed, the things that I valued and that I saw as being super um important but it's just like continual work just being an adult is like continuously going through stuff and just like it's hard it never it's great <laughs> it's, but it's hard and like you're literally just working and working at it and but yeah being by the sea <laughs> um and like therapy and um love and friends and food and all of those good things they help can we talk about stepping away from Galdan? Because yeah. I feel like that must have been such a big choice to make. Because like you said, and, and what's beautiful is you stepped away and then, like you said, you had all this room to grow and you filled up that space and actually it was an amazing thing to do. But sometimes I think that choice of moving on from something when you've outgrown it or, yeah. or you've shapeshifted away from yeah, it yeah. can be one of the hardest things to do. Yeah, <laughs> I think it wasn't that hard because I, I mean, it was like, look, it was hard because it's, something that I felt like I was very tied up in but it was also not hard because like my body was telling me that I could like that I needed I needed to do something else and that I think my creative brain also needed a new challenge and like to work in a different way and so and I think I'd known for a few years that I was ready to not be doing it so I think I had known I, for a while it wasn't it wasn't like a shock to the system and actually, because I immediately stepped away and immediately ended up caring for my dad, I didn't even really have a chance mm. to breathe and to process it. I'm probably processing all of those things now as I've just lost him and I'm now, you know, where I am in life. So it was all, 
like, in t I just, sometimes I'm just like, ha, like the universe, are you kidding me? Like it's from, you know, one, one thing to another. But like I said, I wouldn't have necessarily had the time and space to be like my dad's care and be with him. had I not made those, those decisions and those steps, but I didn't have any, I don't feel like I had like an identity, like crises kind of moment. I think I was, I think I, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to write. I knew that I wanted to storytell and I just hadn't had the capacity to like, to feed that part of my brain. Cause running a business is like, is, is a full-time plus some job, you know, it, it's not one that I found. I think some people probably do. I didn't find it easy to like switch off or have boundaries with it. So I was ready and I channeled that readiness into writing and alongside obviously the other responsibilities that I had at the time, but that my, I was like ready to go. And like my agent was like, my writing agent, Abby, he's amazing. was like, it's your time to tell your story. Like, what is it that Liv wants to say? And I was like, yeah, what, what do I want to say? I want to take some time and figure that out. So it was just exciting. Honestly, I was like, it was exciting. And I think I felt, I felt, I felt like I'd contributed a lot and I and there was enough there to be proud of and I also felt relieved to be kind of stepping into this you know this new chapter so it was good how how did the story how did Rosewater to come to you was it very natural was it like was it brimming at the seams you just had to get it down or was it a process that was it did it shape shift in any way yeah it didn't shape shape shift massively I think the first time I tried to write a novel it was like really rubbish and it wasn't <laughs> coming from a natural place and I was trying to write that this version of this with this and this right and when I kind of and and, and I was still working full-time and it was you know like so you need time and space like as a creative person to sit live breathe with the ideas think about the characters in the bath like you need those you need that downtime um and so I think when I had when I started to have that and I was you know it it, it yeah it it kind of came to me I went and stayed um in like my friend's mum's friend's garden she had like a little room in the garden and I just wrote and wrote and wrote and like it was just it just came wow um it, it just came and there were themes and topics and ideas and things that I you know that that it that, that was there and the characters are really vivid and I felt them and it was like oh wow like this feels so good to get this down on paper you know yeah it felt amazing it felt it felt yeah it just felt so good to write and now I, and then I did like a, a BBC I was like one of their writers in residence and I worked on like a scripted project and I was like oh my gosh this is the thing I was like I've always loved fiction the most yeah I've always loved drama the most and like connect with this way of storytelling and I, I find it very freeing I don't feel scared in a way that maybe I think I would in like the factual space I feel like I can just say what I want to say and I can present characters and let people feel about them how they want to feel about them and it's a little insight maybe into how I see the world or the things that are important but it just is so fun and I'm like loving it I've got so many ideas and I think I was blocked for like I had been quite blocked for a long time so yeah it all just was like ready to come out how do you because I love all the characters in Rosewater and I can think mm. of them so vividly and I, I think it's oh, a beautiful book but like how have you are you okay to leave them do you feel like you want to tell more of their story like what well I'm writing like a short story like at the moment for I've just been commissioned to write a short story which is like Mag, like a bit more of Maggie's story which is mm. really fun I was writing that on the train on the way here and I'm really enjoying that and then the book has also been optioned so I'm hoping that I'll get to like delve even more into into who all of they who all of them are um because yeah I'm like there's 
they're so rich and like this is very much Elsie's story and told through her lens yeah. so I think it would be really fun to to step into the other characters worlds and minds and like get to know them a bit better because yeah I love all of them and they're all so dynamic and it was really important to me that it was like there was like an intergenerational like kind of storytelling that was yeah. going on as well especially between different generations of like queer women that was like something that that kind of came through in the book and the characters and the ways that they interacted with each other. And so, yeah, I'm just like, this is from my heart and this is real. And this is like a manifestation of my love for so many different people and things in the ways that I see the world. And like, and also just on the complicated nature of love, you know, which is like a very real thing. So yeah, I think once they started to flow, they started to flow and it felt really good. I completely agree with what you're saying about fiction. And I think we went through a weird phase as a society where everyone's kind of got really into like, like you said, like factual stuff, podcasting. Mm. Everyone wants to learn. It was like fiction kind of got put to the side, whereas I've always loved fiction the yeah. most. I think you learn the most through fiction. Yeah. Because like in Rosewater, there are so many themes, there's so many things you talk about, but it's not like you're being like, right, we're going to cross all of these subsets no. of intersectional feminism. No. It's just the characters of people who have lots of stories to tell. And yeah. that comes through naturally by virtue yeah. of who they are, where they live, what they think. Whatever. And people's lives are really complicated. So yeah. it's not a case of like, like, oh, yeah, I'm not, I, of course there were, there were, there were things that I wanted to touch on with the book, but I never, you know, I never want you to read something that I've written and feel like I'm telling you how you must feel. I want you to just sit with and feel and move through the world through another person's kind of perspective and deduce from that what you will. And you might think Elsie's like a dickhead at points because she can be, and you might also like feel for her on her journey. And you might also like be so frustrated with her and you might also find this person annoying and someone else might not. And you might see yourself in, and that's like, that's the beauty of just writing characters who are hopefully fully formed and dynamic and complicated. You yeah, know? no, I absolutely loved it. Also is the juice bar where they do the poetry thing, the one on Bricks and Hell. Based no, it was one. no, it was based on called? one. It was based on one in Camberwell that I don't know if it's still there. That's so funny because in my head I was like, yeah. it's so clearly I can't think what it's called. Oh, but it's really? Up Bricks and, Hell towards, and I was like, I wonder if it's there. No, no, it was one on Camberwell High Street. That's so yeah. funny. And like there was like the Vietnamese that they go to is also was also kind of modelled after one that I used to love going to, and like um, and the roti shop again that's modelled after like a Guyanese roti shop in Herne Hill and so there there were like and I love being able to put those details in and if That's you're from so South fun. yeah and I used to live in Stratham Hill so I was trying to think about where yeah whether the, fine that was made up was that made up <laughs> yeah, yeah. that really random bar that's down okay, Stratham well, there, Road there we can say like, that um <laughs> It was a really weird, like, themed bar, and I could imagine that having Oh my gosh, really? Been, yeah. That's so funny. Okay, fine. Well, I there you go. I love things that are Yeah, I love that. Time. And, like, even the, like, the ref the culture references, the, like, kind of, like, music, the book club, the, the, like, she goes to a night of, like, erotic readings that, like, my friend runs this book club called, um, called Prim Black, and they do stuff like that. My friend makes this amazing, like, sustainable underwear, L bras, and, like, Juliet oh, wears yeah, those. Yeah. And we're talking about like making like a cute like rose water set That's and stuff. Such a good idea. And like, so it just was like, but all of these things were really organic and natural parts of my life that I could see how different characters would have interacted with them. So that was fun. That is really yeah. fun. How much did you feel like, um, I know this is everyone always asks women this question about like how much of them is you but I think that's what I love about fiction. The reason I'd love to write fiction is what is it the Nora Ephron that says all memoir is fiction all fiction is memoir because it basically gives you the freedom to explore mm. like all of your insideness 
without it being you. Yeah. So you could put little pockets of you in kind of every character. Yeah, little, spread it really thin and like Exactly. And little pockets of different people and things or you know, conversate or whatever in 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 different in different people. And I'm like, you know, definitely Elsie's not me. Elsie's really cool. Elsie's really <laughs> you know, like Elsie's a girl that, you know, the kind of girl that would have broken my heart because I love a poet. But it was like she does sound really hot. Yeah, 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 really hot. And so I think sexy, B's also so really sexy as yeah, well. Yeah, agree. Yeah. And like that's fun because um with B, like she wasn't necessarily going to be as like integral to the story. And when I sent like a few of my friends the first few chapters, they were like, who is she? Yeah, she's great. Yeah. And I was like, okay, noted, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, it was just fun. How can you not? Like it was great. And even the million rounds of edits were great. Like, I, <laughs> but then you get to talk to people about the minutiae of detail in the story and like, why did you make that choice? And I was like, and you, oh, you saw it in that way. Like I'm loving having those conversations, especially now that people have read the book. I'm like, it's great. Like, I don't know. I just feel really, I feel so happy that I get to like get paid to write things and like invent worlds and characters and like tell the stories that I want to tell and like hopefully some of those get made and but either way it feels just really good to put pen to paper that's so nice and it's so nice to arrive at that point especially when you've having gone through all of that mm. difficulty and trauma and stress and then suddenly feel like you've come into a clearing and it's like oh my god yeah I've arrived like I feel really good I just feel really free I feel really happy like I feel, of course, I'm still grieving and I'm in, I'm very much still in that, you know, it's been less than a year, but I also feel just a deep sense of joy and hopefulness for like what this next chapter is going to, going to look like with me, with my part, with life, with all of these things. So, um, yeah, life is actually mad. Sometimes <laughs> I'm like, whoa, like a lot has happened in, you know, since 20, 21 year old me. But yeah, I've learned a lot for sure. It's like, a, it feels like it was like a crash course in a very intense 20s, a very grown up adult kind of 20s when I was still in my 20s. So yeah. How do you feel? You said that you struggle with like wanting to control things and wanting to know, mm. but I guess, do you think now that you're, you've been through so much, you kind of are trying to let go and not think too far ahead when it comes to like your future timelines? Is that something you're trying to let go a bit? Definitely, definitely. I have things that I really want to do. Like, you know, I really want to write like a feature and like all of this stuff. But I, I just think you sit with a lot of these things and it takes time and like an idea might spark up here and it might not resurface for 10 years. Like, I think that's kind of the beauty of the of the creative process. Also, I'm like very green in this new part of my career again. So I probably have that like weird, I've kind of come full circle because it is just exciting right now. And I'm sure there'll be a lot more moments when things feel a lot more frustrating and you'd be knocking at the same, because it's a hard industry, right? And telly and all of that sort of stuff. But um, but right now it just feels like good and exciting. And I think I did my first writer's room like, like a couple of months ago and it was like being the new one in that space was amazing. Who like, you, can you say what you were writing on? Um, it was like it was like a development room for like a show. That's so, so it was, yeah, with like a few other writers, and then it just was like I was like the baby, and I was like I love being. I, I don't have to be the one who's making all the decisions or anything. I'm here to like learn to contribute, and that is kind of where it is, and that felt so good. How much is that experience like writers' rooms that we see on TV and like America shows? Because we don't really have writers' rooms over here in the same way that they Fine. do in the US, do we? I mean, because I've only done one, and it was a development. I think it's I. Think think that they can from what I've heard I think some of them are really intense some of them are more gentle I think it just depends on the like on the space but this one was really like it was a really lovely 
and the people that were in it were really smart and it was just a really lovely first foray into that and we'll see how I feel in a year's time when I've done like four more or whatever but I think yeah it was just it was just great and and like I said baby in the room but it feels good I'm like this next chapter and also 30s onwards I'm just like so excited for like freeing myself of some of that responsibility just like yeah I just I feel light I feel like I've got energy and I feel like who knows where I'll be where I'll live what I'll be doing but it just feels like everything is possible at the moment I also think you have this weird thing when you're when you're in your early 20s especially where every kind of everything you do has this extra add-on of and she's so young and I actually think it's going to be quite a relief when you don't have to be like oh actually no I'm at an age where now I'm not it's not because I'm super young that's impressive I've just worked really hard to get here because I feel like that Forbes 30 and 30 and oh, all of that yeah. like kind of all of these things that happen pre-30s when with work there's this extra layer of, and she was only everyone's like, oh she was so, so young. young and then I actually think I kind of want that to go away because yeah. that's kind of annoying after a while you kind of want to be like oh I'm just a normal woman now yeah 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 <laughs> who's just working I have jobs I'm in like, my woman yeah. era like yeah my grown woman era and yeah exactly I think yeah that's always that's always such a I knew at this age but then I am also like it's useful sometimes to reference that because I was very young and like and like it was it it was young to be doing some of the things that I was doing, maybe, I don't know, it felt like, because you don't know what you're doing. Maybe that was also a good thing. But definitely the weight that is placed upon that as like a beacon of like, oh, so amazing, is like such bullshit. And actually, I think I look at like my mum, my auntie, they're both like in their late 50s. And like they both retrained, ch changed their careers when they were 50. So I'm like, why would I be stressing it? My auntie was working at Amnesty and then she retrained to become a midwife. And my mum was working like in the third sector, helping young people set up businesses. And then she went into an upholstery course because she loves interior design. And like, what and they had like young kids at the time and like the stakes were high I'm like at me at 20 something why am I going to stress about like leaving behind something that I started when I was 21 or like stepping into a new phase of my career like we have such a I mean hopefully fingers crossed this this lifespan where we can try out so many different things and if they can do it I'm not going to stress about like come on that's know? how I'm trying to start looking at life as like it can be in chapters like you said I think we always want to have everything neatly tied up in a bow by the time we hit a certain age it's like this is the person I'm going to be with forever this is where I'm going to live this is the job I'm going to have and actually like especially I've seen from like relationships movement like things change and they might change every three to five years maybe they will be the same for 10 years but this idea that we want this like stability is actually I think can be really dangerous a bit like what happened with you is when you try to hold on to something too much and everything else around you is moving you just end up so stressed yeah exactly be free <laughs> be free I'm not you know young I don't have like I had I had in a way a dependent in the last two years with my dad because he I like financially and also in terms of care but I don't really don't have that in my life yet so I'm just like I can I may, who, will I, will I not? I don't know. But either way, yeah, everything is possible right now, right? Oh, we should girl. just be living our lives, babe. I agree. Yeah. So is there anything else that you need to promote as points in the direction of? Or just apart from obviously Rosewater, which is out 20th of April. 20th of April, Rosewater is out. So please do pre-order um, and enjoy, hopefully. <laughs> Are you doing the audiobook? Uh, no, my partner's doing the audiobook. Cute. So she, like, she actually, she's got like a background in acting and like theatre and stuff. Um, and so it's dedicated to her and it felt like 100% appropriate and right that she be the one to read it. So she's recording it at the moment. That's so sweet. Does she smell like rose water? 
So she used to wear rose water. Did she? And I forgot. And then she, when I titled the book, she was like, you know, I used to, and I was like, shit, yeah. And then I remembered a time when I'd done something to piss her off. <laughs> and like my apology was that I, that I, um, that I made rose water from scratch as in oh. like with the lead, like it was a whole process and like left her a bottle with a note. And like, I'm, I'm, I don't know, some weird romantic. Or That's so sweet, but it must've been in your subconscious. Then, subconscious. Yeah. And I didn't even realize. And then it was like the, yeah. And then, and then, and then, and, and then it just worked <laughs> with, the, with the book. And it so happened to be, that that was that that was what happened but yeah that wasn't like a deliberate process but it feels really beautiful given those things yeah that she's so involved in and the it, process and it's collaborative as well because who's the, po the poet that you've got so the, kai, the, kai, kai yeah. they're like a friend of mine as well and like i could only so there are like f i think it's four kind of key four poems in the book and um after i'd written the book i then kind of went in and was like i'm gonna write the poems i'm not a poet <laughs> it wasn't cute but also when i had envisioned elsie as a character reading poetry it was like in kai's right. voice it was kai it was kai's sensibility kai's tone um and so that was a really fun process we did a lot of back and forth and voice notes and i was like i want this poem to be about this and to cover a bit of this and like what's your interpretation on this and um, they wrote one poem on pepper pot, which is like a dish that my nan makes about Elsie's nan making pepper pot. Um, and it's like one of the most beautiful poems that captures like what this dish kind of represents and like in terms of their bond, in terms of heritage and history and all that sort of stuff. And it made me cry. And all and the rosewater poem is what like there's just there are so many moments that are just so yeah, that that they, they just got it completely right. So it feels gorgeous. Kai, Sahela, like them being a part of the process. Um, yeah, it's been it's been honestly, it's been an amazing first experience. I think even like being published by Charmaine, who I met on a train like six years ago by chance in South London, um, and then being published by John Legend and his team is like mega as well. It's been like kind of unbelievable but I'm also like oh I did also work really hard to 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 get this book to a great stage and also just in general so I feel like I've landed in really really safe hands and I don't take that for granted that's so nice that you mm. feel like you've you're, you've kind of managed to get through the imposter syndrome and been like actually I've earned this yeah I'm like my up until like I was in I was away like up until the end of January and my therapist was like you just have to start accepting like compliments and not getting all weird about it <laughs> and I'm like so now I'm just kind of I'm trying to be more like yeah like you did do things and like it's okay to say that and it's not doesn't make you a horrible, like bad person because you say I worked hard or I did this thing. It's yeah. like you did. So I'm really trying to affirm those things for myself. Good for you. Yeah. And as you should, and all the bits about food made me salivate so much. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, it was so good. I was like the sex, the food. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm mean? the sex. What was the thing you posted someone's story? They were like, I've cried and wagged like three I'm times or something. That was yeah, it. yeah. I'm like, that's that actually made me laugh. all I really wanted. Yeah, yeah it I was really good. Hot. The sex was <laughs> great. Yeah, I forgot. No, it's it's honestly such a good book. I absolutely raised oh. it. So everyone definitely needs pre-order it. Thank you, hun. Um, thank you so much for Thanks chatting for to me. And your gorgeous home. Like, it's beautiful. I've seen it. I've been like stalking it online. Does it look the same online? I always it wonder does because you it know does. sometimes people post but I post like certain angles of things no I recognize like these bubbles and this giraffe I saw the <laughs> should we put bubbles should we not put bubbles <laughs> fuck it I've done the bubbles like I've seen all of it and I'm loving it it's really nice to be here I think it's a really it's a beautiful thing to do in your home on your sofa yeah. it feels really intimate which is probably also why and I've no we don't know each other very well right but I've but but I've known of you for a long time and we spoke I did the podcast with Charlie have many years 
years ago. So it just feels really like beautiful and full circle to be sitting here. And that's probably why I was so open as well. Because well, it thank feels you really for being, good. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for being vulnerable. I do feel like we feel so much more grown up than that first yeah. time. Yeah, literally. That, like, <laughs> it wasn't actually that long ago, but I feel like we were kids. <laughs> it must have been like four or five years. But fine. like in the grand yeah, scheme yeah, of things, yeah, that's not fine. like that long really, is fine, it? Fine, fine. But I do feel like we're women now. Yeah, we are. <laughs> we're like figuring some shit out. We've yeah. been through all, the, all of these transitions and like losses of different forms yeah. as well right so yeah this is special so thank you for having me thank you so much mm. for coming on and thank you everyone for listening i will see you next week bye planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.